uh, excited about this topic because uh, no matter where we're at, no matter what, uh, what, what, what position we're in, we're all leading people and we're all uh, trying to get better at that. And so uh, Denny Hodges has some great things to, to share with us. So I'm excited about uh, this time. Uh, Denny serves as the senior associate pastor here at Highlands over uh, production and creative arts and has been on staff here since 2005. And I think the exciting thing about that is he has obviously seen uh, a lot of different seasons. And um, I think one of the tensions we all experience is, uh, is even how to scale leadership out, how to lead through other people. And so so uh, I'm going to get out of the way because Denny has a lot of great wisdom to share with us. So uh, with that in mind, before he starts, let's just uh, give him a round of applause and we'll jump in. Thank you, guys. Um, I hope lunch was good today. It's, uh, I was just telling these guys on the front row, that's kind of our, uh, if you're not from around here, that's our local Mediterranean and Greek style restaurant that's a big fave with Highland, so we love it. But uh, so thank you very much for being a part. And I know that we're kind of uh, crammed in a little bit and I'm gonna try to make sure that, that we uh, make the, the most use of our time and that we get you guys out right on time. That's kind of a Highlands value anyway. So, and I've got Mark, Mark's, we got hand signals already coordinated. And so I, I'm gonna kind of glance over and if you see him doing this, that's cause he's trying to signal to me. And then uh, I may end up, cause it may, I may end up like John Gray, I may have to shed this code at some point. So, but we'll just see how it goes. I wanted to speak to you today on the topic of uh, leading and resourcing your team. And as Mark mentioned, it's coming from a perspective uh, from Highlands and really comes from a combination of my uh, time in, in the work world. I'm, I'm, in June, I will have been working for about uh, 40 years, I think exactly 40 years, full-time work. And I started actually in 1978, so that somewhat dates me a bit, in ministry, working for Jimmy Swaggart. Anybody know who Jimmy Swaggart is? Yeah. Worked for him. Uh, in, in radio and his broadcast ministry, did that for a little while, jumped into t uh, television and then into some technology areas, uh, lots of business. And then when uh, we, uh, our family uh, start, helped start along with Pastor Chris, Church of the Highlands, we got involved with that. And then in 2005, he asked me, would I come be a part of what's going on here? And I was super excited. So we made the move from Louisiana to Alabama, which uh, got us a little bit out of the humidity, not all the way, but uh, it's better, I can tell you that. And we've been doing this for a long time. And of course, uh, as you know, Highlands, like really any church plant, starts off very, very small. And the, the angle that I'm coming with this today is from the standpoint, just like Mark said, that from whatever the situation you find yourself in, whether you're leading a church, you're a senior pastor, church staff, maybe you're just a key person on the team, you're, regardless of the size, everything that we're gonna talk about today has application, and I did that on purpose. And I really wanna take some principles. You really kinda already know the, the, the principles, I would say, but I wanna give you some different ways to think about them. And I'm gonna be very, very practical. Now, I will tell you, that my, my, uh, my stuff is content heavy. And by that I mean is I'm gonna give you a lot of information. So you, you're not gonna hurt my feelings if you don't take notes, 
But if you are going to take notes, just take the take what you uh, want. If you hear something and it's value, write it down. Anything else, just let it go. But let it all sink in your heart. Is what I would say, and 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 in your mind. I'm gonna focus on three key principles. And the first one is is that what I have found to be important is to cultivate an empowering culture. Now we we all hear that and I think we would probably all say we already do that. But I want to give you a couple things to think about and I want to share some keys to go with that. The first thing I'd like to say with that is that empowering has a couple of different forms and it differs from another way of uh, operating which is delegating. So I want to make sure we're all on the same page with that. So in a delegation model, which here's the thing, delegation is great. You need that. There are times when it's applicable. But essentially, when you delegate something to someone, you're telling that person to go act as you, go do something, and report back to me on how it went. And here's how I want you to do it this certain way. So you're not, they're not, uh, they're not making any decisions. You're making the decisions, but you're you're taking them and you're you're sending them off to take care of something. That's delegation, and there's a proper use for that, and it is great because there's times when that's the best model. There's also the empowering model which gives power away, which says that I am going to give you the power to make the decision and I'm going to give you that and I want you to go and do. And you're, you now have the decision-making authority in that scenario. But that has two different variations. There's one variation that is I'm going to tell you I'm empowering you to do that, but I'm really just going to send you out. So I'm basically like cutting you loose and letting you go. And how, what happens after that could be a, a mixed result. Because what am I really doing to help you with that? And the other way to think about empowering is that I don't simply give you the power, but I give you also the resources for you to do that and do it in a really great way. So we're gonna dig into that a little bit. So there are some keys that are important. The first one is, is that, and it so, sounds so simple, but allow people to lead. And uh, because I think empowered staff and staff or team, they're interchangeable in this context, is the real mark of leadership. And it's a symbol of a healthy culture, if you want to know the truth. And I think it has the ability to unlock potential. So going back to the delegation and the empowering, because you can think of it this way. When you delegate, you are building followers, extra more followers. But when you empower, you're building leadership, you're building leaders. So know that difference. And, and that's why it's important because in a model like Church of the Highlands where we cannot even, we can't even pull off a service, much less a conference like this without our dream team, we can't do it without a model that empowers people to do things. It just will not work. And so, uh, so know the difference. There's, there's times when either is uh, needed in the situation, but there is a difference between the two. The second point I would say is, our key, is to be sure that when you do, if you are gonna select the model of empowering, and you really wanna do it, I think, in, in a way that's going to give you results, is that you are, be sure that you define expectations and be sure they're clear. So let's just say it this way, define clear expectations. Because if I empower you to do something, I need to, I need to actually give you the 
a little bit more information to make sure that you're successful with that. So I need to tell you what the parameters are. If I'm going to judge you on the outcome, you need to know what's expected with that. So I, here's what I, I would define what's expected, make sure it's clear. Uh, one of the things I'll do, especially if I'm working with younger staff, is I make sure that they understand the difference between a goal and an expectation, because they're not the same. Uh, a goal is something that we are going to work on. Uh, my personal growth plan is a goal. I'm working towards something. An expectation isn't a goal. It's something we're going to do. We're going to start on time. We're going to end on time. We're going to do the, we're going to have these values. This is what we're going to do. And I find that as you work with younger uh, staff or younger team, be sure that you make that distinction if you're trying to separate those two things from each other. Uh, I also would say that uh, be sure that the people that you are empowering and even the, your, your team in general, they understand what their role is on the team and what that expectation is. So even though you're going to uh, set them in, in an empowering structure, be sure that you go take it a step further and that you clearly define what your role is. This, what are you going to do on the team? What is your, what is because that's, a lot of that's going to be where the expectation of the outcome is going to come from. And then I think it's important, too, to set them up for success by publicly affirming that. I don't help you if I say, hey, Mark, I'm going to make you in charge of this. I'd like for you to do this. And then I don't tell anybody else that I've done that. So how to, now he has to go out and he's, he's thinking, well, how do I proceed? Because no one knows that I have this responsibility. Yeah. So be better if at a team meeting if, or at a staff meeting, if I talk about Mark and I say, hey, I have decided that Mark is going to fulfill this role on the team. I've empowered him to do this or whatever the language needs to be. That way, the whole team knows that when he, when he comes to them and he starts to work it, that out with them, they know that that has, that, that has come from me and that it has... Um, it, he, he gets the, because here it's the difference between having the wind at your back and having the wind in your face. That's the difference. The third key is that you have to continuously provide clarity. Uh, one of the things I have, um, I have noticed about my own team is that they don't always hold on to the, the, the message. So if I say something sometimes in a team meeting, I, I always had the understanding and the thought that I'm going to have to reinforce this again, most likely. And so I always have to bring clarity because without a touch point with the team, even if you are very clear about what you expect, clear about your vision, over time, that's going to start to veer one way or the other. And you, you, every once in a while, you have to bring it back into alignment, bring it back to, into focus. So continuously provide uh, clarity. I can actually tell when my team needs that because it's in their language. You can hear it. You can hear it in their questions to me. You can hear it in their questions with each other or just you can hear it. So I, I'm listening for it and I want to make sure that they know what the expectations are. So always provide clarity. In that process, I want to be sure that I'm always sharing the big picture vision of what the team is supposed to be focused on and that's that's important for me especially since I do lead multiple teams 
And the reason for that is, is that it helps break up the silo effect. Because if I don't do that, then production starts just to think about production and creative just starts thinking about creative. And suddenly we're not talking to each other anymore. And we both have to pull off a Sunday. So to bust that up, we're continuously looking at what is the big picture. And, and vision does have a vision has to be backed up with communication of clarity. And so just you, you, can't, you can't just say things, like I said, I'm, I know I'm repeating myself here, but you, it's so important, you just cannot say it enough. You have to repeat it and reinforce it all the time. Probably the most important thing is uh, about clarity is to be sure that they know what's in your mind and in your heart. So during team meetings, I always make sure that they know what I'm thinking about and that they know what I what, what my vision is for our team. And I'll t share a quick story here. And I kind of th think I caught a bunch of them off guard. I have been going through most of last year with the thought process that where we are, it was not going to, and how we were structured was not going to take us to where we needed to go. It, I could see it. Whether they saw it or not, I could see it. And so I kind of I kind of surprised them one day in a team meeting because I, I told them I said I, I want guys I want you to know what I'm thinking and they love that by the way when you when when you as a leader even if you're leading a small team they like to know the people that are following you like to know what you're thinking about what's on your heart what's in your mind and I was telling them guys let me share with you what I'm thinking about right now I'm not thinking about what needs to change. I'm thinking about what needs to stay the same, meaning that everything's up for change. So I, I don't want to focus on the change part. I want to focus on let's look at it all and what does out of that needs to stay like it is, because I can see that we have to we're going to have to flex up and scale up to be able to do what the vision of the church. And so I, that helps them because they hear that from me. They hear it, that this is what I'm thinking, and now they can rally around that. So always take those opportunities. Probably the most important key to empowering people is that you have to, if you're not willing to do this, none of this stuff we've talked about thus far is going to work, is that you have to be a strong coach. You just do. Because here's the thing. Empowering people comes with challenges. And if you want to call it risk, you can call it risk, because here's what you've just done. You've handed someone the, 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 the power to make the decision. Now, how do you ensure they make the right decision? Because what will happen? Eventually they're, going, you know, eventually, they're going to make a decision that you would not have made. Is that right? Yeah. OK, so what is your risk tolerance? So if you're not, so that's, and, and to be honest with you, I think that's why a lot of, a lot of, a lot of leaders do this faux empowering. I'm telling you I'm empowering you, but I'm actually micromanaging you because I don't trust you to make the right decision. Okay. So that, so how do you manage that risk? Cause it's all about an insecurity. That could be it. Or it's just, I'm afraid of what you're going to do. You're going to make the wrong call or you're not going to make the call I would have made. So here's the thing, if you're not willing to take that risk, you don't need to be empowering people. And to be honest with you, you don't even need to be leading if you're not willing to take that risk. Yeah, okay, so how do, you, how do you take that risk factor and bring it down to where it's really, really manageable? Coach, coach, coach. And the best way to coach is to do it 
in team environments or one-on-one -on -one environments. And, and we all, as leaders, we all have a tool belt on. I like to think of it that way anyway. And you got all these tools on your tool belt that you use to lead. And you know how on a carpenter's tool belt, you know, what's the most important tool? Everybody would probably say it's the hammer, right? Because it's the one that gets used the most and the hammer. Well, the hammer in this situation, and really the greatest tool on your tool belt is the question. Question. And I'm going to tell you why. So let's say, for example, that uh, as a leader, I've empowered you to do something. And we're going to use you again, Mark, as an example, since you're right there. Uh, and, I, and Mark has made a decision, but it's not the decision I would have made. And it probably is not a decision he needs to make again. So I'm not going to let the train derail. So if it's a Sunday scenario, service time scenario, I may have to step in and I may have to help with the decision. But if it's not one of those types of things, it's something else. The next time that he and I are going to get together, we're going to have a discussion. But the discussion is going to be not... That, Mark, what, brother, what were you thinking? That's a question. That's just not the right question. The right question is, tell me why you made that decision. And if you get something back that's not exactly like you want it, then follow it up with, did you consider this option? What you are doing is you're shaping that through, that's a coaching moment, that you are shaping that person and you're, eventually what you want to get them to do is you want them to see it like you would see it. From the, from, because you have a, a, you're flying at a higher altitude, have a different perspective, you're helping them see it. But what you're not doing is you're not undermining their ability to make the decision because you're asking it in the form of a question. If I don't ask it in the form of a question, I am jerking the rug out from under you and I have just undone everything I tried to do. It's gone. So do it in the form of a question. And you can question yourself into a position where you can shape that, where they say, oh, you know what? I think that would have been. Uh, I, I, I think now if I had to do it again, I would do it a different way. It's done. You won't ever probably have to have that discussion again in that same way. So take those opportunities to coach. And... There's a couple things with coaching, too, that let me just, there, because it does require a commitment, and we're going to talk about this in just a few moments, of time, because this is another thing. Coaching requires effort on your part, and so you have to be willing to do that. But, like, if you'll just get it, that it, once you do it and invest in it, then it's done, and rarely do you have to recover that ground. Sometimes you do, but rarely you don't. They get it, and, okay, this, this is going to work out great. So... That's part of it. The other part is just always be sure to uh, provide regular feedback and be willing to get regular feedback. So not only do use that question as a tool, but another tool is feedback, which is just a way to we're sharing information. And I'll let my guys tell me what they think. As long as the feedback is honest and it's honoring, they can tell me anything they want. They can tell me they think I made a, the, a wrong decision. That's fine. I'm cool with that because I, I, don't, I don't fear that. So, um, and here's how I like to think of it. Through coaching, what you want to do, you ever gone on in a, in a, when you're driving on the interstate and you get this sweet, sweet, sweet area of the interstate where it's straight and the road is just perfect? For me, it's, I can rarely find a piece of interstate that's not under construction. I don't know why, but that's my luck. But if you're ever in a situation where you have that, and you know how you can, you've done it, you just take your hand off the wheel 
and the, it just goes, right? The, the vehicle just goes, and you're thinking, how long is this going to, you know? And you, I even sometimes count, you know, okay, eight seconds, nine seconds. And now it, what happens after a few seconds? It starts slowly veering. Yeah. One way it slowly veers. Now, how much effort does it take on a great piece of road, which is your leadership foundation, how, great, how much effort does it take to keep that vehicle going right down the center of that lane? You can do it with a finger. Have you ever done that? Put one finger on the steering wheel and just, and that's what you want your leadership to end up being. Coach in a way where all it ends up taking, it takes some time to get there, but once you're there, a light touch, a light touch is all that's necessary. And what you're doing is you're just keeping things from veering off the road one way or the other. Remember, the, the, shape, the condition of the road that makes that possible is how you're setting up leadership. One other thing I would just say regarding this uh, is that there, there is, uh, I think, a little added, I wouldn't say it's a challenge, but it's just something to think about when you're, when you're leading younger staff is don't make assumptions about what they know or don't know. I was teaching a financial class not long ago in Highlands College, and I could just see some of the looks I was getting back. And so I just asked them, I said, um, well, can I ask you guys a question? I said, if, if we were all to, as a group to go uh, to Panera Bread, and we were going to buy like a coffee and a, and a muffin, how many of you would need to get on your phone and check the balance in your checking account in about... I'd say 80% of the hands went up. And that, that, that surprised me a little bit. And, and, and that just that let me know that, you know what, don't, take, don't assume anything when dealing with younger people. So, so when you're leading them, realize they may need a little bit more effort. They may, they may need a little bit more foundation. They may need a little bit more learning because they may not have come to you with that knowledge. So just keep that in mind. The second principle we're going to talk about today is gonna sound basic again, but it's resource your staff well. Now I'm gonna tell you right now, it's, it's probably not what you're gonna expect. Because the resources we're gonna talk about have nothing to do with money, has nothing to do with computers, offices, supplies, schedules, none of that. We're going to talk about the resources that you can give, the important resources you can give your team as a leader that won't cost you anything except effort and time on your part. And here's the first one, the first key, and that is the most valuable resource that you can give your team is your focused attention. Now, there's a difference between just your attention and your focused attention. <laughs> And here it is. I need to give them my attention. And, and I think some leaders are a little reluctant to do this because, again, it takes time and effort. And a lot of us are in a, in a frenzy with schedule. We get busy. We start doing things. And all of a sudden, we don't have time for those things. But, but if you put effort into those areas, actually, that's where you're going to get your greatest reward. But the focused attention means is that that's just it. You have my focus. I'm not looking at my phone. I'm not texting while we're talking. We're not having a meeting walking down the hall. 
I'm not going to come tell you, you know, we don't have a whole lot to talk about. Do we really need to get together today? No. Again, I'm just taking and I'm jerking rugs out from under people when I do that. So my greatest resource my team needs is me, is me. But, but it has to be a focused me. Here's another one. Especially in ministry, I think we kind of fall into the trap that people should be content with what they have on our teams and that they shouldn't be ambitious. Don't fool yourself. People are ambitious. They want to expand themselves. They want to expand their career. So what does that look like? Well, I'll tell you, I have actually a pretty cool story about that. So my production director came to me one day and he said, and he's a straight shooter. I mean, this guy just, he just tells, says it like it is. He says, you know, you don't look like you're going anywhere. And the next person up is Pastor Chris, and he doesn't look like he's going anywhere. So what happens to me? And I said, well, I said, well Justin, here's the thing. Um, you're thinking about it the wrong way. I said, I'm going to help you make sure that, and I always like to tell my team this when I can, is that I am thinking about your family. I am thinking about your growth. So I, I'm, letting, I'm, I'm letting them know that I understand that as your family grows, that you need to grow, maybe from a compensation standpoint or for any. I want them to know that I'm thinking about their personal situation. But I said, here's what you're doing. I'm going to have to put the mic down for a second. But, well, I can do it, I guess. I said, you're thinking about growing like this, going up. I said, no, do this. Grow your, let's, let's work on your influence and let's make that. And so what we did was we started focusing on that. And now he is one of the, a big wig with uh, WFX, which is a, techno, uh, a ministry technology uh, organization. He's on the board of directors. He's a big wig with uh, a lot of these church ministry groups. He, he hosts two different roundtables for technologists in ministry world. He's doing counseling for other production people in different churches, and he has taken his influence and boop, and they people people here know him before they know me, and that's so. And I'm taking care. I'm helping him on the other with his, with his personal goals, but professionally, his influence has just blossomed. So think how you can help people because you've got to be able to meet people's professional goals. And their career goals, because they have them. People have ambition, and it's okay to have ambition. The third thing is, is that you need to be a great protector. You need to have your teams back. That means stepping in and taking the heat when things go wrong. It also means covering the team in prayer. So you've got to be sure that you are the one. On, we have prayer every Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, and you need to be the one that's there that's praying for your team. I, uh, th uh, four times a year, I actually survey my team and ask them, one of the things I ask them is, how may I pray for you? And I get a, sometimes a very long response from some people. This is what I'm going through. This is where I need prayer. And I'm just watching it from different points in the year, how God is meeting those needs. But it takes me, I need to have their backs in the spiritual, and I need to have their backs. I, they need to know that, that, I, that I am on their side. The fourth thing, and where I want to try to almost spend a little time on this, and I um, want to think this is a, an area where we just need to spend a little extra focus, is the fourth key is to have regular one-on-one -on -one connection times. 
And um, I'll just tell you that this is probably the one thing that I have done that has really yielded the most, uh, the best results for me is the, the connection time. Now I cannot, I can no longer have connection times with every person on my team. Uh, I can't do that any longer, so I have to do those in the team environment. We're still doing connections but at the team level, but, but the, the four people who are directly responsible to me, every Monday we're connecting for up to an hour. And that is building relational equity. It allows me to check on them spiritually. It allows me to see how the family's doing, how the marriage is working. It allows me to ask them how their team is doing. We then get into the business of Highlands. They come with their list first before I come with my list. I want to be sure that, it, you know, that it, we have that hour. If we, you know, occasionally we'll go longer, but rarely. I want to make sure that they get what they need from me before I get what I need from them. I, they come in and they get to set the, the tone. I have some people come in and they want to sit across from me over a desk. Some of them want to sit in a guest chair and kind of lean back and rest their head. Have, the creative guy, of course, comes in and turns off the fluorescent lights because, as you know, creative people, they melt with fluorescent lights. So uh, he turns off the lights and, and we're, we're kind of in the dark and that's how he likes to roll. So we roll that way. And that's just so they get to control that. It's their time to spend with me. That's where I coach. That's where the coaching takes place. I then have the expectation that they're taking that same model. It does not have to be at the same interval. It has to be regular and it has to be consistent. But they take that model and they're doing that with their next level, then the next level, then the next level, however many times it needs to happen. And that's how we maintain this connection and then we meet frequently as a team together where I need to speak collectively to everyone. But, but I, don't, I don't even like calling it meetings because we don't really meet, we connect. Connect, connect, connect. Here's what it does, that relational equity. You are putting money in the bank because eventually, somewhere along the line, you're gonna have to have a hard conversation with that person about something. It may not be about them, it could be about somebody on their team. Yeah. And when you do, you're gonna be making a withdrawal out of that bank account. And what you don't want to have happen is, you don't want there to be, oh my gosh, I didn't know this. Does he not love me anymore? Are we, is there something with our, going wrong with our relationship? What's, what's happening here? That all goes away. When you meet regularly and consistently, that goes away. So you need to find out who it is that you are leading that you need to have that one-on-one -on -one connection time. And as a rule of thumb, I think it needs to be anyone who reports directly up to you or, or you're responsible for. Now, it doesn't work if you've got 20 people like that. If you have 20 people reporting to you, well, that's not a good model, I'll just say that. But, um, but you need to spend the time with that. So you wanna hear something cool about that real quick? Okay, so uh, Pastor Chris, he is a Monday Sabbath person. Mondays are his Sabbath, and, and I can see why, because he, you know, he, he, he goes through and preaches three ser services live on Sundays, and so he's worn out, and Monday's his Sabbath. Well, for me, uh, I decided a long time ago that was the perfect day to ha do certain things because he was out of pocket, so I was unlikely to get pulled in 
from him or he was going to pull on my team and so forth. So while he has a, a schedule flow, we have a schedule flow. So we actually now consider Monday the first day of the week. And we look towards Sunday as uh, the end of the week. The reason is we start at the starting point is Monday. The finish line is Sunday. F Sunday is where the checkered flag comes out. Last service, we can wave the flag. We're done. Great. Now let's work on the next week. So on Mondays, I'm having these connection times with the people who report directly up to me. It was five people for eight years, now four. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie to you. At the end of the day, I was, I was tuckered out, as they say in the South. I was tired. Because I'm giving not only um, my focused attention, but I'm giving all my emotional energy to those four people. And that's all I do on Monday. I don't do anything else. That's it. That's all I do. And here's what I've discovered. Who's heard of the 80-20 rule? Okay, most people, the Pareto principle. There's a lot of variations of it, but there's one variation that's my favorite. It says that 20% of your efforts, if it's done correctly, will yield 80% of your results. Well, I have found that to be true in this scenario. I spend 20% of my week focused on four people that give me more than 80% of my results. I could settle the week on Mondays, and then the team runs itself for the rest of the week. And so that's how we can scale up at Church of the Highlands, and that's how we can do what we do, and it's because of that principle. Here's another thing that came out of that that was so cool. I realized one day, hey, you know what? This is more than just an 80-20 rule. It's a time tithe. Give the first, and the rest shall be blessed. So the very first thing I do, the very first thing I do, it's put time into those four people, and the rest is blessed. The rest of that week gets blessed. And I just thought that was so cool. So it just, it just, it, it didn't mean any, everyone has to do it that way. Even my team doesn't always do it the same way, but it has to be regular and it has to be consistent. So resource your team well. The third one and the last one, and this is a big one too. And I'm gonna be honest with you right out the gate on this. This is where. Because I, I get, I, I get, I talk to a lot of pastors and executive pastors and things like this, and this is what I find people miss it on leadership: is uh, be a consistent leader. They they they're leading, but they're not consistently doing things a certain way. And so, um, and here's another thing: I'll just say, if you can't be consistent. You don't really need to be leading because you're, you're really letting people hang out there a little bit where you shouldn't be. So be consistent. So what does that look like? Well, I try to focus on uh, making sure that, the, um, that I keep a consistent focus on the main goal. So I make sure our team always knows what we're working towards. The church is in a season at different seasons of the year. I want to be sure we're focused on that. There are times that we, we all need to be working towards the same thing. We have vision. We, ha we all have to be working on budgets at certain times of the year. It's all kinds of things. Focus. Keep the focus. I don't need people going off in a hundred different directions. I need them all working collectively together towards a single goal. I have to be consistent with decision making. I can't be one of these that's going to decide in this way and then next week, forget all that. We're going to do this over here. So what does that mean for me? I have to spend. I have to be intentional about planning and thinking and 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 what do I? How do I need to? I need to look ahead and what's coming up in the next eight weeks, what's coming up in the next year, 
What do I have to start thinking about now to make sure that the then happens like it should? I can't just be, oh my gosh, I forgot about this. Let's move over here. I can't jerk that around. So be consistent with your decision making. I, I have to have a consistent office schedule. And that totally doesn't sound like 2018. I, I get it because the office is wherever you are with a phone, right? I mean, it's just wherever you are. But here's the thing. I need to be, at times, I need to be in a place where my team can have access to me. And so for me, I have a very predictable schedule. I do that connection times on Mondays, Tuesday morning. I, I'm home, working from home, because I, like everybody else, I need some head down time where I can be uninterrupted. I usually have uh, some appointments on Tuesday afternoon. Wednesday is a day I don't expect to get anything done because that's all-in day. Every, all the campus pastors are here. Pastor Chris is meeting with us. And so it's, uh, it's really about meetings than anything else. And then Thursday, I'm, in, I'm here all day. I'm here and I'm available uh, to take appointments or to, be, to meet with people. And so I have found that you can undo a lot of what you're trying to build up if you're inconsistent with your meeting time. Because you're asking people, hey, be sure that you're here at 10 o'clock on Thursday morning. We're going to get together at 10 o'clock on Thursday morning. And then at 10 o'clock on Thursday morning, you're not here. They're here. You're not here. Well, I mean, why are you? So they could have been doing something else very productive and you just messed all that up. So don't do that. Don't do that. Be consistent. Think about, think about and plan. Um, here's, here's a big one. Have a consistent mood and behavior. That stung a little bit. Huh? And I'll, I'll even tell you what, a little personal story with that. Uh, years ago, I was working for a guy. And um, he, this is back, this is not uh, in church world. This is in the business world. So offices did not have windows. And once the door was shut, you didn't know what was going on in there. And this guy was like a pro at going from his vehicle to his office, close the door without being seen. He was, he, I mean, you could, you could try to plan it and you couldn't catch him. And sometimes you just needed to get to him. I, I needed to get to him. And a couple of times when um, I got the up enough, uh, I was brave enough to knock on the door, I would get a, you know, actually I, I got cursed out one time. And what that caused me to do was to, I was not going to knock on that door again, I can tell you that. But the door was always shut. And so it, I realized that it, even now, when, when, I, when I have people in my office, I close the door. But when they get up to leave, they always ask me, door open or door closed? And I'm thinking, y'all already know the answer to that question. Always open. Mm -hmm. Always open. Always open. And it's because of that experience. I want people to know I'm available. And when you come see me, my mood and behavior is going to be consistent. I'm not going to be chewing, you know, frustrated and outdone one day and nice the next. I have a responsibility, regardless of how I'm feeling, whether I'm tired or not, it doesn't matter. I have a responsibility to my team to be consistent with my mood and my behavior and my reactions. And so it's just important. We getting close, brother? Five more? Four? Uh, I just, I, can, uh, what, what, we, how far are we in? You want to leave like you got five minutes? If you want to leave, then another like 20 minutes. For minutes. Yeah, I want to just kind of give you, if I could give you a, a little, as we say, Louisiana lanyap, that, that, that's just a little extra for nothing kind of thing. So no extra charge. <laughs> uh, I was going to do this if I had the time. 
And it's just a little conversation about leading yourself. And um, I'm just going to touch on a couple of things I wrote down. Is it obviously we need to make sure our relationship with God is solid. That goes unsaid, but let's just say it. We need to do that. We need to always embody integrity, work ethic, because we have to model what we want. Here's the thing, guys. Your team will value what you value. But if you don't value something, don't expect them to value that. So they got to see it. They got to hear it. And so embody that. You need to be self-aware. Know yourself. If God has created you to be an extrovert, an introvert, or whatever, it doesn't matter. You need to know yourself so that you can know what you're prone, how you're prone to respond to certain things. And so if you've never done a personality assessment yourself, you need to do that. You need to have someone who is at a peer level can tell you, you know what, you're, you're doing it again. You're walking through a crowd with blinders on and you're going from point A to point B and you're passing up all these people where you could have touch points and you're just missing it. I have that person because I need that person. You need to be, always be growing. So set time aside for it. You can't say, oh, well, I'm going to start growing. I'm going to start reading it. But, but then you don't put time aside for it. Put time aside for it. Make time. It needs to be on your schedule, which leads me to the other thing. Take control of your schedule. Take control of it to the best you can. You can control. Here's the thing. You can control when you get up, right? So I don't, I don't, ever, I don't do anything that I, I'm, let me put it to you this way. I am, I am up, ready to go in the shower two hours before my first thing, at least two hours. Because I just need that time to focus on my day, what I need to do, what I need to think about, who do I need to talk to, who needs a text from me today, an encouraging word. Hey, look whose birthday it is today. I need to send a text for that or I need to make a phone call. Get all that lined up then, and then take on the day. So if, you're, if you don't control that part of your day, back that up two hours or whatever it takes, but do it. So take control of your schedule and then just always be replicating yourself. Look for people who look like they would just have great leadership potential and just invest in them. It only takes a little time, but it needs to be consistent and just spend time with people. If you see a diamond in the rough, put that time in there. It just, it, it could be huge kingdom impact. Okay, Q&A. Wow. I've got a lot of good notes right now. That was so good, Pastor Denny. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so let's do a couple questions. Um, I'm going to ask you, if, if you don't mind, to just say the question in the mic just for the recording. All right, and I'll bring it over to you, and we'll come to you next. Hello. Thank you for that. That was a great. Um, what's your advice? Um, for me, I'm a full-time worker outside the church, and I have a family, but I'm over the children's ministry at my church. So my time is very limited on how I can invest and spend time with my team. So maybe speak to that. And then um, also getting people to come to meetings and, and those one-on-ones or, you know, any kind of connection or event i mean how do you encourage a large team and people actually want to be there and show up well for sure you you have to uh, i think you have to start with where you would like it to be so kind of define in your mind what what you would love how you would like to have it work and then work towards getting it to that point 
uh, I think you'll frustrate yourself if you try to uh, set set that and then you know you can't quite get there. It'll be frustrating. Uh, as for the one-on-one -on -one times, I I tend to just go where they are. So if they're willing to to meet me at, at a pla a coffee place or they're willing to, I just go where they 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 are. So uh, sometimes it means I have to make a little bit of extra effort. Uh, and, and if it's easier for, for the, uh, me to go to them than then come to me, I'm willing to do that. From a team standpoint, there you have to, I think you have to be careful that you're not trying to ask people to do something that is probably going to conflict with their, just like yours, their personal life that's going on. So I would think about things that are around times that they're already going to be in the same place, like uh, before and after services. Uh, that type of thing. I wouldn't want to pull someone in on a Saturday because I don't want to be pulled in on a Saturday. And I don't, I don't really don't want to go to a meeting at 7 o'clock on a Tuesday night either. So I would look for things. How, and then, then make sure that when you do pull people together that you're, you spend only the amount of time you need and that you bring value to that. If you bring value and you're respectful of their time, they will, they will come. Thank you. Uh, we're a new church. We're about 15 months old. And so I'm dealing with a lot of volunteers. Um, how do you go about cultivating and, and um, recruiting volunteers and the type of volunteers that are going to be the most helpful? Well, we, um, uh, the way Highlands does it is through the Growth Track and Dream Team, as you already know. And the way that it's structured is that, that we're pointing people towards this is your expression of ministry and we allow them to self-identify so rather than me trying to recruit people to a children's ministry or to production we what we do is we simply uh, we help them see what maybe God has shaped them for so a part of our growth track includes a personality assessment which that kind of will tell a lot you know you get your people who are very extroverted well they're great greeters or they're you know, so you'll find between that and we do a, 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 a spiritual assessment, too, that kind of just uh, helps that. And those types of things tend to point those people to those particular areas, although we don't force them to that. We don't try to recruit that. So I would just say that that make sure that your 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 systems up front for getting people into an environment where we, and the, your language that you use that, hey, this is work, this is to help you with what God has called you to do in ministry. And we put it, we call, it's leadership in our church. And we have a leadership culture, but basically we're, we're letting people know that, that when you come on the dream team, you're entering into leadership and you're, at, you're working through the area that God's created you for. So language is important. The front end is real important, and you can do a little recruiting. I mean, we, we, we battle for people, you know, here and there. You know, it's true, but but ultimately, you want them to self-identify, because you want to stay away from that, you know, because no one wants. They're they're probably walking fast past. They don't want to get caught by somebody. Hey, would you be willing to do something? You don't. You want to frame it as, uh, and really, what it really is is that. God's called you to, to do something in the body of Christ. What, let us help you find out what that is. Yeah. And then come serve the local church. Yeah. Do it that way. That's good. Go right, right here. Go here, then we'll go. Okay. What advice could you give us for preparing to be ready for those one-on-one -on -one meetings? And then what do you find it's important to record or take notes on based on those meetings? Do you do it during or after? So. 
Well, I would just say that the, the best thing you can do is to start off with a personal mindset and a relational mindset. Make sure you do, make sure you do that really well. I would, not, I would not jump right into the business at hand. And what happens is that that creates comfort because now, now we're talking about, you know, uh, whose son is playing sports and, you know, what's going on with so-and-so in dance class and you're having those kinds of conversations. All that builds up that, that, that relational equity. I have my team right now when we, we don't, when, like, like, for example, on Mondays, that's a Memorial Day is on a Monday, Labor Day is on a Monday. And they, they need it so much that they, they, when they know Labor Day is coming, they're trying to find out what other point in the week we can have this one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. So you want to build it to where they want to be part of it because they, the, they, they know that you're, you're, you want to invest in them and you, you're caring about them. And the business comes as a secondary thing. Yeah, that's good. We'll go right here. Did I miss anybody over here? I don't want to just give special treatment to this right side. Um, can you speak to what your overall onboarding process looks like for a new volunteer? For for the Dream Teamers, a volunteer. Yeah, it's very similar to what I what I mentioned. It, it is a um, so we we try to make sure that we communicate. The way we would do it is everyone has got a next step to take. Everyone. Some people, their next step is to to come know God. To be salvation is their next step. Other people's next step is to, uh, to, to start the process of, of discipleship that's done through the growth tracks. You come in and you, we, we ask you to just, you know, come, it's, make it real simple. It's four things. Can you do four things? It's just four things. And here's the thing, they happen at the same time every month. So there's no having to remember a date and time. Make it simple, simple, simple. So once they come into that process, they have a decision to make at step four. And that decision is, is that, you know, we, we've helped them find out how God created them and what they may be suited for. And then helping them, they self-identify, I would love to be in the children's ministry. Okay, when you get, or I would love to be in production. When you get to that point, now's the point to talk about what's the expectation of that. Well, in children's, the expectation is you're going to have to pass a background test or, or check. That's part of it. In production at Grants Mill, you have to commit to doing all three services in the morning because we need the consistency of camera people. But we tell you that at the front. So if you don't want to do that, fine, that's perfect. No harm, no foul. Maybe another team. We'll help you find another team if that's not going to work for you. Mm -hmm. So find out what works for them. Then we ask them to commit to a, a, an honor code, a leadership honor code, because we're, we're now considering you part of the leadership of the church. And basically it's just saying, you know, I agree to, you know, to stay committed to the church. And I mean, not in a membership way, but just, you know, the values of the church and acknowledge that, that, that I'm now in leadership and, and, and then, then basically you're on the team. And then it's a matter of you know, someone will take you and kind of guide you through the rest of the process. Uh, I had a quick question, and then we'll come over here. You, you alluded earlier to the, uh, uh, hopefully I'm not being selfish with, with the mic right now, but you, you talked about like some of the tough conversations, um, because even when, when we have clarity, um, whether it's with a volunteer or a staff member, uh, most of us probably don't love those conversations, and I think that's probably a good thing, like you shouldn't love them, but you have to have them. Right. Uh, how do you navigate some of those tough conversations that you have to have? Well, it's never a surprise. I will say, because 
we we don't. I don't wait till it, the the pot's boiling over to turn down the heat. So I look for it early, and then if it's someone who's reporting directly to me, we're going to start the conversation, and it may take three conversations working up to something that may end up being a hard one. But what it will not be is a surprise. If it's someone else on my team, then, then I'm talking to the person who's leading them about what their next step is to walk through that. If they don't already know, here's, what, here's how we need to handle this. And so it basically always comes down to one of two things. Either they can't or they won't. That's, that's the only two. So you have to, can I, I always say, can I coach it? Can we coach this? And because, I mean, here's the thing. I don't want to lose, we, I, I try to make sure we, we catch it all on the front end. So we don't, I don't even onboard people onto my team until we've gone through this long process to make sure that you're the right fit. But assuming that that's all worked out and something has changed and we have a problem now, can we coach it out? I'm willing to give it time, but I'm not willing to give it eternal time. Because <laughs> here's the thing, um, to be honest, stewardship, people's tithe dollars are going to this. So, so if we can't work it out, then I will empower their future into another area. <laughs> and so far, every, I've done that a few times, and each time I've gotten a hug out of it. Because here's the thing, they know. They know. And I, 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 I usually say my leading line is, is that, because I've, I've done, I've worked hard for it. Here's what I say. I said, we're here because you brought us here. That's the only reason we're here. So I, I know that's hard to, you know, you don't want to get in those situations, but you, here's the thing. It's going to happen at some point. It's, it is with every, every organization. So let me go right here. Right. Yeah. You pretty much took uh, my first question, so I'll go with the second one. Uh, no, it was a good question. That's, that was exactly what I was going to ask. Um, with the big team meetings that you have, can you just do like a quick like flow of what that would look like? Because um, I feel like going into some of those meetings, it's like these are things that we need to change, but it's so hard coming out of the gate with that and them accepting it. And, and then they might not come back the next meeting because they're like, oh, they're just going to tell us something we did wrong or something. So uh, all positive in team meetings. So even things that may not um, that the team may not expect, try to do it through the the uh, through vision casting. So I try not to give them like a series of dates and things like that. I can do that in an email. That's you know I try to spend the time focused on just where where are we where are we as a church, where are we headed, if there is information that I can give them that they may not find out any other way and it's not confidential. I usually do that. Like we had, a, we had this road out here under construction, had nothing to do with our team whatsoever, but I kept them updated on it only because information builds ownership. People like to know things. And especially if they think they're the only ones that know it. <laughs> they like knowing it. It's just the way it is. And so I'm glad to talk about that, but I always do it within the context of what are we trying to accomplish with a traffic light? We were trying to get people off the property faster so that people can come onto the property easier, so people can feel welcome, so that they can come and know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. And so the, our, our meetings are around that, but where we are operating in a team dynamic where we're headed, we talk a lot about camp, future campuses, where we may be heading, some of the challenges that might come up with that. 
uh, things of that nature. And then I always finish by sending them uh, that survey I was talking about where I asked them some questions. First question, how are you? And believe, boy, I'm telling you, they'll tell you too. <laughs> Boom. What can I do for you? Because sometimes they may feel like, well, even though his door's open and he's here on Thursdays, I really need to tell him something, but I don't know that I want to go down there. And so they'll tell me what they think I can do for them. One guy told me one time, if you could just get me a, a, a production truck so we can drive some gear around. Well, actually, that was a good idea. So we did that. <laughs> and um, so I did that. The next one is, is that, um, uh, first of all, it's, it's always, how are you doing? It is, what can I do for you? And then lastly, how can I pray for you? And that's where I, I hear about what's going on with uh, situations at home, medical situations with family, who in their family may be in, you know, have cancer, or is, where, where, can I, where can I commit things to prayer? And then I, uh, I use a, a system that I learned from uh, Willow Creek, which is just, I try to gauge where they are on their challenge uh, it's called a challenge chart, but it allows them to tell me, do they feel like they're being appropriately challenged, which is that they are, because here's the thing, most people operate really in the sweet spot if they feel a little bit of heat on the back of their neck, a little, little bit. Keeps you pumped and ready, energized. You get too much and people will just, they can't handle it. The weight's too heavy. I want to know if the weight's too heavy. So tell me. If you feel like you're being overchallenged, it's a safe environment, just tell me that. It may be something I need to fix, something the team needs to fix, but I try to find that out at least four times a year. And I always do the survey before prayer season. So if we go to 21 days of prayer, for example, I wanna know how I can pray for them. Let me get uh, just one more question, all right? We're right here. Uh, I really struggle with knowing um, how to strike a balance between pushing a team because there's greatness in them and they can't, they can do it, and and then pushing them too hard. Um, specifically, when it comes to to our setup process, we're trying to reach more people. We're having to expand into we're we're a por completely portable church, um, and and so if we have to grow our kids area, expand our kids area because we've we've got crowded, and that's like a big thing. It's 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 more work on them, you know. Um, I don't feel like I've seen anybody that strikes the balance between like just using people and when they're when they burn out they'll find somebody to replace them um, to or they're just so soft they never take ground and I, I really struggle that with that as a leader on you know how how do you strike that balance? Uh, one thing I do is I make sure I have all the information I need so the team that any of my team I want to know things like. Um, well, I just did it recently. I found out that I wanted to know what the average age of my team was. It's 33 years old. I wanted to know what percentage of my team was married, 85%. I wanted to know how much of my team had kids, 59%. I wanted to know what the average age of the uh, staff children was, six years old. The youngest one is seven months, the oldest one is 17 years old. When I found that information out, it gave me a perspective. I have to remember that the team that I'm asking to jump through these hoops, they're also having babies, they're doing homework, they're shopping at Walmart, they are getting kids to soccer, they're doing all those things. So in a, in, in a 
team standpoint, I just need to be mindful of that. In a volunteer or a dream team standpoint, it may mean I need more boots on the field so that setup for you is only once a month or twice a month, not every week. And so things like that. So know your team and, and uh, be sure that even though you're seeing that maybe they're not pushing, be sure it's not something behind the scenes that you don't know is the reason. And then, but then, but then when, you, when you know it and you feel like they can be challenged, that's a great time to have a cup of coffee with somebody. So. There's a lot of wisdom in this room, amen? <laughs> Pastor Denny, thanks so much. Let's give it up. Wow. Hey, let me, uh, let, me, let me just pray just to end our time, and then uh, we won't want to uh, respect your time to get to the next uh, app session, okay? So, Father, thank you for, this, for these moments. Uh, put it in our hearts, our minds. Help us to uh, lead better uh, the, the teams and people that you've entrusted to us. Thank you for Pastor Denny and his heart uh, to make all of us better here. And uh, we just uh, commit the rest of this day to you in Jesus' name. Amen.